Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and this is Rediscovering New York. Professionally, I'm a real estate broker with Brown Harris Stevens, but our show is not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is a weekly program celebrating New York, our history, our texture, our vibe. And we do it through interviews with historians, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, preservationists, musicians and artists, and the occasional elected official. On some shows, we bring an individual New York neighborhood to life. We explore its history and its current energy. What makes that particular New York neighborhood special? On some shows, like tonight's, we celebrate an interesting and vital color of the city that's not focused on one particular neighborhood. Prior episodes, you've heard us cover topics as diverse and illuminating as American presidents who came from, lived in, or had some interesting history in the city, about half of them. We've looked at the history of women activists and the history of the suffrage movement in the city. We've looked at the history of different immigrant communities, the history of the city's LGBT community and the gay rights movement. We've looked at the history of bicycles and cycling. They've been part of New York for more than 200 years. We've looked at the history of punk and opera in New York. We've looked at our public library systems. We visited the subway, public art, our greatest train stations, and even some of our bridges. Yes, in New York, we even have great bridges. After the broadcast, you can catch our shows on podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other services. Tonight, we're going to do one of those special shows, and I'm calling it Places They Gather, mostly in Brooklyn, but also in other, bro- in other boroughs. We have three really great guests this evening. Uh, our first is Hannah Elwell. Hannah is the Vice President of Exhibits and Education at the Brooklyn Children's Museum. Among our responsibilities are creating strategic vision and objectives for the museum's programs and exhibits, including the exhibition that we will talk about today, Stoop Stories. A documentary that talks about that, uh, sorry, it's a documentary storytelling project that forms the basis of a new exhibition composed of more than 150 images and stories representing families, essential workers, small business owners, and activists from around Brooklyn. Anna also directs the research, development, and implementation and evaluation for all education program areas at BCM, including programs for the general public and its K-12 education. And she also works on capital renovation projects, including the Rooftop Terrace, the Children's Garden, theater, as well as new exhibitions. Hannah oversees the museum's collections and management and access programs and ensures that the collection of the museum is used to its full potential, which I also want to ask her about. Hannah Elwell, a hearty welcome to Rediscovering New York. Thanks so much, Jeff. So happy to be joining you. Are you from New York originally? I'm not. I actually grew up on the other side, on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Uh, I paid New York a visit in high school and was completely uh, just fell in love with the place and knew that my energy was a much better match for New York City. And what uh, so what specifically brought you to New York and when did you arrive here? Uh, I rolled in in 1998 um, and was drawn to the arts and culture. I was a museum enthusiast even um, before my museum uh, profession, professional trajectory began. Um, and this was the place to be surrounded by all the things that I loved and just the high intensity and energy of the diversity of New York. Mm. Which we celebrate on every one of our shows, by the way. <laughs> um, how did you become professionally engaged with museum work? Well, my first museum experience was actually um, at the Brooklyn Museum. Um, and much of my career has been focused in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm sort of unapologetically Brooklyn-centric, um, especially... You like that, be, be, being a native Brooklynite? <laughs> yes. Um, love New York holistically, but have a very special place in my heart for Brooklyn, um, where I live and work. Uh, and my professional path began at the Brooklyn Museum. Um, I didn't realize that I could combine this love of working with families and children and my love of museums. I didn't, you know, now there are many professional, um, there are many academic programs across the country and at many different colleges, but there really weren't when I was in college. And so it was, um, Brooklyn Museum was the place where merging those two um, passions of mine could really happen. So I taught Mm -hmm. in the galleries there and spent a really wonderful year um, through their fellowship program. And that was really my point of entry into the museum field. 
Wow. You know, one thing I want to ask you about is your work and your tenure at Ralph Applebaum and Associates. That's a firm that works with museums, uh, including helping to create ex- ex- exhibitions. Um, what kind of work did you do at Applebaum and how was might have it have been different from working in 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 a particular institution? Mm-hmm. Um, well, many museums engage a firm like Ralph Applebaum and Associates uh, to help them plan um, either new institutions do concept planning, do interpretive planning, or design exhibits that they aren't able to take on the planning of themselves um, based on, you know, staff capacity um, and other constraints. So um, Applebaum is a firm that does interpretive planning. There I did project management and had the privilege to work on several really wonderful projects over the course of my time there, two two large projects, uh, the National at Museum of African American History and Culture in DC, which opened in 2016. And prior to that, the Natural Museum, I'm sorry, the Museum of Natural History in Salt Lake City in Utah. So two completely different um, projects and both spanning in, in my life about four and a half years. So exhibition planning and museum making is a very, very long process, which I think, you know, people seldom think about how many how many different components there are, how many different entities have to come together to create a new institution. You know, there's the curatorial side, there's the concept planning, um, there's mapping out all the stories that you will tell. There's thinking about the presentation of them in design form. And then there's the architecture of new buildings. So there are lots of different aspects. Um, and it was really exciting work. Mm. Well, not to get into uh, too much detail about uh, about museum planning, is there a size of museum that, fe- that it feels it will not need to have the service uh, the services of uh, a company like Applebaum or will some of the largest museums in the country also use independent um, um, consultants to help them mm, interesting question I think a combination of both many places um, take on you know designing and executing exhibits of their own um, themselves they have the, the capacity to do so you know however frequently they change out their exhibits um, but many large museums, um, even, you know, there's only so many, so many projects one can take on in-house. Uh, so even, you know, very large institutions often look outward to bring in um, a consultant firm to help them develop a new space. What brought you to the Brooklyn Children's Museum, Hannah? How did you wind up at BCM? Well, interestingly, um, after my, my introduction to museum work at the Brooklyn Museum, um, I made my way to the Brooklyn Children's Museum back in 1999. Um, so I worked at Brooklyn Children's Museum very early on in my career for a couple of years and then took a good long break, um, pursued the exhibit design field, uh, went to graduate school, and then found myself back at the museum about 17 years later and have been there in the capacity I am now for about seven years. Wow. Um what are some of the characteristics that define a children's museum? Obviously, we think, well, obviously, it has to appeal to kids, right? But, you know, um, within that, uh, what special things are there about children's museums that, that might differentiate it from, from most other museums? Well, they are um, inherently interactive, and I think they are guided by joy, joy and fun. Um, there is a playfulness that is, you know, at the core um, of the mission of most children's museums, all of them that I can think of. Um, and, you know, they're they're not burdened by the weight of some other museums in the expectation of transmitting content uh, that is very specific, um, though, of course, they are content driven in their own unique way. Um, we certainly are in Brooklyn. But I think... Um, there is this creative freedom that children's museums um, embrace and thrive on. And I think they attract really unique, special people within the museum field whose interests are interdisciplinary and who come from so many different creative uh, professions and kind of find a home um, in in a place of play and in a place that values whimsy and um, really looks to draw out playfulness in visitors of all ages. There's a word that comes to mind for me hearing you talk about what what differentiates a children's museum, and that's engagement, if anything, you know, how how young people are engaged, how, you know, really little people are engaged to want to be uh, inspired and to be interested in, and and maybe fascinated by by what a children's museum is going to present to them. 
Well, it's in many ways, I think um, the engagement that's invited in the space of a children's museum mirrors how all of us of any age want to engage with the world around us. You know, we invite sensory engagement, hands-on learning, inquiry-based learning. We want, we want to create a space where kids are guiding their own discovery. And truly, as adults, we all want to do that too. We just aren't often in the place to, and invited to do so um, or the invitation expired, um, or we thought it expired. And so in the space of the Children's Museum, we want to renew that invitation to everyone walking in the doors. We want to instill a spark for caregivers um, that reminds them that um, exploration, guided exploration with the help of the caregiver can be this beautiful joint experience that um, a parent or a caregiver and a Mm. child can do together. Um, So some children's museums really look to differentiate experience um, into littles and bigs. And one of our goals at the Brooklyn Children's Museum is really to combine that experience and offer opportunities for families to engage together um, within their own family units and for families to engage with other families. Museums are inherently social spaces. So we want to really value the uniqueness of being a space where different kinds of families come together Families that in New York are passing on the street, but may not have the opportunity to have a conversation about water play. Oh, your kid is doing the same thing that my kid is doing. There are so many points of um, points of common and sharing, common mm. uh, interests and sharing that happen in the space of the museum. It's a really beautiful thing to see every day. Well, speaking about sharing stories, we're going to be talking about Stoop stories in a minute, but um, I want to ask you about the history of the Brooklyn Children's Museum. It was founded in 1899. That's actually, uh, you uh, arrived there at its 100th year anniversary. Um, uh, how did the Brooklyn Children's Museum come about as the first children's museum in the in the country? What was its inspiration? Well, Jeff, in fact, is the first children's museum in the world. Um, which is quite amazing to think that the first children's museum in the world was founded in a residential neighborhood in central Brooklyn um, in 1899, at a time when museums were being created on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan or on Eastern Parkway. um, The intentionality of creating, founding the Brooklyn Children's Museum in a residential neighborhood, and since that point, really super serving the community surrounding it is really quite spectacular. BCM has always taken its mission as serving community, um, its closest surrounding community very seriously, um, and engaging the families that are within our closest reach. So those neighborhoods and, um, you know, the diversity of the neighborhood has changed over time uh, and and transitioned. Um, Still serving those who are in our closest range is very important to us. And the the museum is in Crown Heights now. Um, Did it start in Crown Heights? I know you're in a relatively new building, but but where was uh, where was the museum founded? The original mansion uh, that housed the museum was actually just adjacent to our current location in Brower Park, which is right next to the museum. So the original the two mansions that housed the museum were located there, um, and the building that is the current museum's building was built in the '70s on our site and last renovated. We underwent a big renovation in 2008. Mm. Um, you know, I've been on the outside of the museum a number of times. I'm almost embarrassed to admit I haven't gone in, but I have to I have to make that one of the like old New Yorkers, you know, who've never been to the Statue of Liberty. There are a bunch of things I've never done in the city that I, I need to do. Um, we're going to take a break in a minute, Hannah, but I want to ask you first, um, what do you do as vice presidents of, of exhibits and education at the museum? Well, I have the privilege of doing a lot of different kinds of things. Um, a children's museum is a place where Many, many different departments can speak to each other. Um, Everything is about education. Everything is about family experiences. So I'm able to have my hands in a lot of different pots simultaneously. Um, I get to support the creation of our cultural festival calendar, um, days where we invite community in and celebrate the diversity of this amazing city. Um, I get to help uh, steer and lead new exhibits. Um, including Stoop Stories, the one we're going to talk more about today. Um, so thinking about, you know, what what would be an exciting experience to bring in and showcase for families to engage in. Um, and then think sort of strategically about museum experience, um, both in the short term, as we look at the yearly calendar, and then in the longer term, you know, where does the museum look want to see itself? And how do we want to continue engaging families? How are we being responsive to families' needs as we look you know, to the year and five years ahead. 
Mm. Great. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Hannah Elwell. She's the Vice President of Exhibits and Education at the Brooklyn Children's Museum, which is now exhibiting an exhibition called Stoop Stories. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. to Rediscovering New York and episode 120, which is Places They Gather, mostly in Brooklyn, but also in other boroughs. My first guest is Hannah Elwell. Hannah is the vice president of exhibits and education at the Brooklyn Children's Museum, which is located in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, the biggest borough, at least by population in the city of New York. Um, Before we get to Stoop Stories, Hannah, I want to ask you one other question. Um, why are children's museums important now, maybe even uh, more important than they were before the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, on the heels of this wild experience that we've all shared, this pandemic in New York City, I think we've um, we've realized how vital it is to affirm our connectedness to each other and our responsibility to each other um, as individuals and as sharing space. Um, how we need to be accountable to one another to ensure the health and safety of the collective that we have chosen to be part of um, in this city. So I think as it relates to children's museums, we have this mission to um, both create a space for engagement and fun and sharing, but also on a deeper level to really create a space where families can come together um, and feel supported where we can offer some prompts for starting hard conversations um, and create a space for uh, sort of constructive exploration of kids' own agency in their lives um, and, you know, help support the next generation of change makers because that is what we so vitally need. We saw the absence of that. um, And I think the fissures of our collective identity became really apparent in this experience of the pandemic. And I think it's really incumbent on Uh, Brooklyn Children's Museum and other children's museums to support families um, as they, you know, raise the next generation. Now that the museum is open again, um, do you see any or do you feel any difference in the energy of people who were there compared to before the pandemic? We really do. 
it's been, I think, an, a create a, an amazing affirmation of our existence um, to welcome families back into our space. It was so uh, surreal um, to have our institution be empty. Um, and when families returned, their footsteps and their laughter just brought our institution back to life um, with their voices. And I think what we so quickly observed was families' deep craving to be in community with each other, um, even in the space of being very aware of, you know, um, you know, remaining masked, masked and, you know, being safe uh, while coming together there was really this craving to be in the company of other families who had, who were experiencing this um, hard time. Um, and I think we've also seen a real appreciation for accessing cultural content uh, through our programs. And while we've seen fewer guests relatively because our numbers have been capped in a different way than they were formerly, um, we've been able to go more deeply with some of our programming and what we haven't been able to um, fulfill in in breadth in in numbers of visitors. We've really been able to do with depth, um, and have really heard from families how appreciative they are of the new exhibitions uh, that we've brought in, um, the exhibitions that we've been able to renovate and update during our time of closure, and the programs that we're able to facilitate and offer for families on an ongoing basis. Well, speaking of community and bringing people together and people hearing each other and being together and new exhibitions, that takes us to Stoop Stories. Um, what was the genesis of putting together Stoop Stories for the Brooklyn Children's Museum? Well, we got our conversation started, um, Marge, Lara, and I, and it seemed an amazing opportunity to really highlight um, the experiences and the faces and the stoops, the physical spaces of Brooklyn. Um, at a time when, uh, like I said, it just has has never been more present, this um, importance of, of coming forth and sort of showing solidarity. And I think uh, when I first saw these family photographs, it was um, such a poignant reflection of the resilience and the strength and the community mindedness of Brooklyn families and how much power there was in those images. And we wanted to put them on our walls. And it felt like this was the reflection, um, the photographic re reflection of how we wanted families to feel during this time. We wanted them to feel heard and seen and supported. And hosting Stoop Stories really enabled us to um, make that happen on the walls of our space. Did the idea for Stoop Stories or the major impetus come uh, after the pandemic, or were there rumblings about it before the pandemic started? Uh, it was actually mid-pandemic. Um, we made the connection and learned more about the project, and it seemed as we were looking ahead, um, knowing we would that open reopen to the public, it seemed like a really, again, a wonderful way to really reflect um, reflect the feelings that we wanted to project outward and and the way we wanted families to feel within our space. How do you find that the exhibition, Stoop Stories, um, has really additional uh, meaning or importance? Than, I mean, the, the, we're going to talk more about the exhibition itself with the, with the creators, with, with Marge Kleiman and Lara Weinberg, um, but uh, after the break. But I want to ask you in terms of the museum, um, how do you think the pandemic has added um, a sense of importance having this exhibition now as opposed to it, it would have been great having beforehand because people, you know, uh, talking about people and families and businesses and communities is really important in sharing those. Mm -hmm. um, how how has the pandemic uh, changed the importance of that for the museum to host it? Mm. Now? Well, I think it's a it's a really powerful visual representation of this home based experience that we all experienced families and all of us um, in whatever, uh, whatever way um, we were bound to our homes and our physical environments in a way that we had never been um, in this, especially in a city that uh, where our everyday experience is so outward. So I think there's something very powerful in seeing families on the stoops and the steps and the um, in the immediate adjacency of the physical spaces that they spent so much time during the pandemic and to really be reminded that we were all in it together. Our neighbors were in it. We were alongside as, as many times. And I know we all felt these like 
uh, moments of individual focused peril and despair, um, that we truly were in it together and that there were all these families that were experiencing it um, alongside ours. Um, so I think the, the power in the reflection of that is also an affirmation that, you know, we, we will prevail. We can bond, be bonded together um, in, our, in the facing of this experience, and it's made us a stronger collective. Personally, Hannah, would you say that this exhibition has created new experiences for you as, a, as, an, as an administrator and as VP at the museum? It's been really wonderful to see visitors stop and dwell um, as they look at the photographs. You know, sometimes there are things that people pass by uh, and it's, it's become really clear that this is not uh, wall dressing. This is not wallpaper. I think the, the images, the faces, the expressions, um, and again, those common points of that stoop looks like mine, that family reflects, there's something about that family's portrait that reflects my own experience. Um, whether it's, you know, uh, in a directly correlated way, oh, they have three kids, I have three kids. I think it's more so this sense of we were all there. We were all there together. And I can see visitors really stopping uh, to look at the photographs, to point out different aspects of them, um, sometimes seeing people they recognize, which is so exciting because Brooklyn is just a small village. Um, and I think it's, you know, particularly in these times as we are all reintegrating into our social lives, uh, it's, it's a really powerful um, reflection of Brooklyn families. Well, what are some of the other exhibitions that you have at the, at the museum now that you'd like people to know about and come and see? Mm, well, I'd love to invite people to um, a very exciting exhibit that we opened just this past weekend called Amazed. And it is a maze uh, uh, made out of corrugated cardboard boxes, um, a dimensional maze that you can traverse on foot um, and embedded within the maze, which is actually a great uh, connection to Stoop Stories, um, are illustrated highlighted landmarks of Brooklyn. So you'll find the arch at Grand Army Plaza, you'll find King's Theater, you'll find the Wonder Wheel um, and Parachute Jump of Coney Island, you'll find the Botanic Garden as you turn through and wind through the bends of this um, cardboard maze. Mm. It sort of puts a new take on the old uh, uh, hedge maze in English gardens, but gives it a little more context for New York and people to be fascinated about things about New York. Um, what exhibitions do you have coming up in the future that you, uh, are not at the museum now, but that you're working on that will be, that will be open at some point in the future? Mm -hmm. We are in planning stages of something. The working title um, is Brooklyn Time Machine. Uh, it will be a permanent exhibit that we're working toward, and it will invite families to explore um, the history and the families and the stories uh, who have lived in Brooklyn um, since pre-colonial times, starting with the Lenape population. Um, we're working with many different wonderful partners on the development of this exhibit, and that's a long-term project uh, that we hope will be realized, um, you know, maybe within five years. Uh, but sooner than that, we're working on an exhibit that draws on those themes called BK Voices. And that's something that will open in February of 2022. And that will highlight uh, the voices and the histories of Brooklynites um, through different themes, through the themes of family traditions, uh, food traditions, um, living spaces, the physical built environment, community spaces that we all share. And we've engaged some really wonderful community advisory groups to help support the development of those exhibits. And how can people find out about those exhibitions at the Brooklyn Children's Museum? Brooklynkids.org. You can learn more about our education programs, our exhibits, um, how to visit, where to find us um, on our website. I love that URL, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty innovative and right on target. Well, Hannah Elwell, thank you so much for being our guest on this uh, first part of this program about places they gather, mostly in Brooklyn, but also other boroughs. My first guest has been Hannah Elwell. Hannah is the VP of Exhibits and Education at the Brooklyn's Children Museum in, you guessed it, Brooklyn, New York, in Crown Heights specifically. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to speak to the creators of the exhibition that we're going to focus on, Stoop Stories. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 
everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Makes Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back. Support for Rediscovering New York comes from our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And support also comes from the law offices of Thomas Siaka, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. You can follow the show on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles on all three are Jeff Goodman NYC. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. One of the note before we get to our next guests, even though Rediscovering New York is not a show about real estate, when I'm not on the air, I am indeed a real estate agent in this amazing city where I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you or someone you care about is considering a move into, out of, or within New York, I would love to help you with all those real estate needs. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. Well, our second guests are a duo, a team who have created Stoop Stories at the Brooklyn Children's Museum. They are Marge Kleinman and Lara Weinberg. Marge is a visual storyteller and the creator of Stoop Stories. She's a lifelong Brooklynite. She resides in her childhood brownstone and has years of stoop sitting under her. This symbol of Brooklyn culture became both her refuge and muse, especially in times of crisis. Before focusing on photography, Marge was a children's educational media producer, creating award-winning games and activities for kids, families, and teachers at PBS Kids, Sesame Workshop, Scholastic, and Noggin. She was also a contributing writer and photographer for Tokoboka Magazine, exploring the power of play and creativity in childhood. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, Time Out New York, WPIX, that's Channel 11 for us New Yorkers, PBS Parents, and Scary Mommy. Marge holds a Master's in Art and Educational Psychology from NYU, it's New York University, everyone, and a BS in Theater Management from Emerson College. And joining Marge is Lara Weinberg. She's the co-producer and editorial director of Stoop Stories. She's a pun-loving wordsmith and communications consultant with eclectic experience in entertainment, marketing, and media. Like Marge, Lara is born and bred in New York. She studied literature and rhetoric at SUNY Binghamton and went on to associate 
uh, produce The Writing Code. It's a critically acclaimed three-part PBS series on the origin, history, and art of writing. She's the former managing director of MGTN, a nonprofit leadership and career transition organization, and was the director of sales and business development for Shadow TV. In May 2020, despite being stoopless in the city, this ground floor apartment dweller was enlisted to create content for and co-produce deep stories. Channeling her COVID blues into heartfelt storytelling, Lara is proud to edit prose, contribute original pieces, and craft stories that honor her fellow New Yorkers. Marge Kleinman and Lara Weinberg, healthy and hearty welcomes, healthy especially, but hearty welcomes to Rediscovering New York. Thank you so much, Jeff. You're both from the city. What neighborhoods did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in Borham Hill. Um, it's still in my childhood home, hanging on my stoop. And Lara? And I was born and bred here in the city, Upper West Side, bopped around, and somehow wound up back on the Upper West Side, but not in the building where I grew up. (laughs) Well, so you both live in the neighborhoods where you grew up. That's amazing. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, but I've lived in five different neighborhoods, and I don't live in the neighborhood where I grew up. (laughs) Um, You both have varied backgrounds, and the combination to me is like a perfect storm for a project like Stoop Stores. Marge on photography and creator of children's educational media, and Lara, you in writing and creating experiences in entertainment, and with also a focus on marketing. Is this the first time you've worked together on a project? It is. We we actually have been friends for many, many years and always wanted to work together. And I started, I think, the end of March, early April with photographing families on their stoops. It was the perfect six feet. I was at the bottom. They were at the top in the middle of COVID and doing some very light interviews with them via email. And I was like, you know, Lara, (laughs) you're an amazing writer and you have like all this experience in documentary and marketing and business and uh, come on board. You know, I just, I asked, I begged her to join me. (laughs) And, uh, you can say more, Lara, if you want. There was definitely no begging involved. This was a godsend because this is during the pandemic when I barely, I live in a studio apartment. And so, you know, commuting was from my living room to my kitchen, which was basically a foot away. So this was a wonderful way to, to reconnect not only with my good friend, but just the outside world and feel productive and like I was giving back during a really hard time. Is Stoop Stories the first project that each of you have been engaged with, with the Brooklyn Children's Museum? Yes, yes. I had gone, uh, my dad took me as a child. So I I just, it's so touching because I can picture myself. I have really strong memories of playing at BCM. And I had, over the years, I had sent them a resume, you know, about digital media content. Um, But this sort of happened very organically, this connection. You want to hear the story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, 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 please. Especially since Han is still on, still in yeah. our uh, virtual room, our virtual studio. It's pretty awesome. We, one of our, one of our stoop stories was of this kid, Leo, I think around 13, 14 years old and his grandma, um, he, they were sort of separated quarantining uh, on their own in Park Slope from the rest of their family. We did their stoop story and it was this adorable grandma, grandson bonding story. And it turned out his mother is Stephanie Wilchford, the president of BCM. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Let's chat. And uh, it happened really organically. She sort of put me in touch with Hannah and the rest almost a year ago, actually, this in July. Um, the ball started rolling. So we're very grateful. Is this your first project, each of you working with museums in general, or have you done anything uh, with other museums in the past? Have you, Lara? No, I mean, other than frequenting, you know, going to museums, I definitely have not had a professional relationship, although I will toot a horn for Marge because she was at an ICP exhibit. She had one of the photos displayed there, so... We uh, we have that that touch point. Thank ICP, you. by the way, is the International Center for uh, Photography, which is uh, located on the Lower East Side. And actually, um, I had uh, one of the curators from ICP on a show about a month and a half ago. So that's oh, you, you can get him podcast. Yeah, David Campion. Yeah, yeah David. Yes. Yep. It's yep. A beautiful exhibit, and we've actually we're very honored to have been in a couple of different community um, exhibits as well with individual stoop stories. But this is our first big solo exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been interested in museum education um, as, you know, connected to children's media. So we're really thrilled to be 
really thrilled to be at BCM. What were your personal inspirations for Stoop Soars, ladies? Marge and Lara, what was it about uh, uh, the concept that had you go, wow, this is something that we really have to collaborate on and we have to bring to life for people? Uh, should I jump in? Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll join in. You set the stage. Um, well, as you know, I grew up in my childhood. Home. I mean, I'm still in my childhood home and um, we have. Uh, Around the corner from where I used to live when I lived I in Brazil, by the way. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, and there's a whole history of hanging out on the stoop, not just for me, obviously, but for so many communities across Brooklyn, across all socioeconomic and racial groups, um, telling stories on the stoops. And that was my safe refuge, my safe haven, like just hanging out on my stoop and chatting with people because I was solo during quarantine. And I actually had started a project called Stoop Stories, believe it or not, over 10 years ago, um, interviewing people on video on their stoops in the neighborhood about the old days. And I sort of thought this was the perfect time to revive it. And it just happened really just naturally and kind of um, got, it it got kind of, it took over, (laughs) let's just say. (laughs) It took over our lives. Um, And then Lara came on and we just jumped in and we've been just going at this. Um, You know, we're trying to expand it it's way past a pandemic project. Um, we're expanding it to include a lot more community engagement and more and more neighborhoods and um, give people ways for them to tell their own stories. Um, what about you, Lara? Did you want to jump in? No, no. Everything you said, I'm, I'm on board. And basically it was, it was perfect timing. I mean, the safety and the community that you could have from a stoop during a pandemic it's sort of unprecedented as far as, you know, I mean, people were barely leaving their houses. So you had the safety of still being home, but being in the world. And um, there was a real, you know, beauty to the environment of where these images were captured. And then as we developed this, you know, the stories, it, sometimes you, you can't tell just from a photo what's going on in that person's world. So when we, you know, started to add some more content with the narratives, it was a really great balance for people <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to express themselves from a really safe space, like a literal safe space, you know, that's very symbolic of New York City. How long did it take you to create the project? I know it's ongoing and you're going to be adding to it, but how long did it take you to create the project that uh, we see the finished product for at the, at the Brooklyn Children's Museum? For the, for the museum project specifically, it was almost a year. <laughs> and actually, it's funny because at the beginning, we, we sort of were like, oh, we can get it up in a couple of months. And it just the process was a little longer um, for a variety of reasons, just on everybody's part. I think it was such a stressful time with the pandemic. You know, our brains were we, our COVID brains were sort of hijacked by tra- by traumatic experiences. And uh, right. It took a little time to just get our heads straight. Um, and we brought on a designer to help with the layout. Um, but also to Hannah's credit, it was going to be much smaller and, and they gave us a lot more space. Um, so there's a more engaging section in World Brooklyn where kids can actually sit on an indoor stoop and take a stoopy, as we say, a, mm-hmm. a, self, a, self, a selfie stoopy. And they can see stories about essential workers and healthcare workers. But then upstairs, we have a whole celebration of families and uh, images of, from all the different neighborhoods. So we've got, a, we're on all three floors. <laughs> it's very exciting. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to see the exhibition then. That's a, that's a good reason for me to, <laughs> to, to, to make my first journey to BCM. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Lara Weinberg and Marge Kleinman, the co-producers and co-creators of Stoop Stories, which is on exhibition now at the Brooklyn Children's Museum in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. 
On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And you're back to Rediscovering New York and this episode on places they gather, mostly in Brooklyn, but also other boroughs. Um, my guests for the second part of the show are Marge Kleinman and Laura Weinberg, co-creators and co-producers of the exhibition Stoop Stories now at the Brooklyn Children's Museum in Brooklyn in Crown Heights. Uh, Lara and Marge, I want to ask you, um, what would you say is different about Stoop Stories compared to other projects that document and have documented Uh, people's experiences in neighborhoods and what's going on in their lives at any particular point in time? I mean, I think one of the key things, especially since we started during the pandemic, is we came to people. You know, we we go to your stoop to record your story, to get a sense of where you are. But in addition, as things expanded for safety reasons and also for the growth of the project, we also you know, turned into a real virtual stoop. So if you wanted to submit your story, you could do it really, even if you are stoopless, such as myself, I could still submit one. I could go and just grab a spot somewhere in the city that has some sort of meaning to me, you know, and availability. And, um, and it's just the the symbolism of the stoop as a, a literal and figurative platform for expression. And I think that really, you know, it's, it's got the symbolism, it's got the, the reality of what it means to people, you know, during a crisis and also during joyful and, and amazing times. It's a place you go to hang out and be yourself and, and share and connect with other people. Marge, do you want to add anything to that? No, Lara said it beautifully. I mean, I think just to build on that, I mean, when people are at home, they're their most authentic and vulnerable selves. They're relaxed. And they're so when we came to them, as opposed to just sort of finding them randomly in the city um, and also added store owners, of course, so they may not have actual stoop, but storefronts or steps. Um, yeah. And as Lara said, they could have a bench. They could have, we interviewed a Holocaust survivor on a bench. She said, this is my stoop. You know, you just never know. I, a stoop is a state of mind. <laughs> I like to say, yeah. Yes, that's why we say Lara is stoopless no more, even though she doesn't have a stoop in front of her. In front of I her have her a home. stoop in my heart. Yes. Don't, don't we all in New York? Yes, <laughs> always use my stoop. <laughs> well, I lived in two buildings that sort of had stoops. Yeah, uh, you know, so I can, you know, I can say that as well. Um, how did you pick the subjects for the project? Was there anything special that you brought to to deciding who was going to be included in the project? Lara, you want to take this? Yeah, I'll start it off. I mean, sometimes people have sought us out. You know, we made a nice little niche for ourselves online, and people often come to us if they have got something that they want to share. Um, but we also are always keeping an eye out, especially as the city reopens. You know, we really wanted to get voices out there as diverse as the city is. So we reach out to people in the five boroughs, started out 
specifically in Brooklyn because we were in lockdown. And then we've been evolving and really just opening up to, you know, authentic voices of the city, people who have something that they really feel they want to share and contribute and connect about. Um, so it's a very community-oriented project to, to uplift New Yorkers and to, to just bring people together, sort of, you know, what Hannah was saying about the, you know, the families and the people who make up this city wanting to really feel the togetherness, particularly under this, you know, crazy time. And so it's, it's been a, it's been a really beautiful process mm. and very organic, like Mark was saying, as far as the, the reach and how people find us, how we seek them out, whether it's an activist, a store owner, you know, a single parent, we, we really try to just have an open door policy. Mm. What were some of your most meaningful experiences as you, as, as you put together the, the project? I can jump in a little and then Lara can share a few. Um, we've done hundreds of stories now, which is, is very exciting. Um, and we like to say we don't play faiths, but uh, <laughs> we really try to share stories as diverse as the city. And, and we often say, you know, be seen, be heard. We want voices that aren't often seen and heard to bubble up. But also really focusing more and more on celebrating this whole stoop culture of intergenerational storytelling. So we had Tiffany in Bed-Stuy on the stoop with her son, and she's holding a, a portrait of her aunt. So she's the third generation to live in this house and tells this story about her aunt's legacy and, and this beautiful summer night. And, you know, and the stories are always paired, you know, at the museum, they're mostly visual because they're very young children with some quotes, but the stories are paired with written um, narratives as well, and sometimes video interviews. Um, but yeah, Tiffany shared the legacy of her aunt with us and also how her son was doing in the pandemic and sort of everybody had so many layers to their stories. Um, another one is Queen Jean, who's a black trans activist who was literally using a stoop as her platform. Um, at, and it was the stoop outside the Stonewall Inn in the West Village. And so she's there. There she is with her partner, Joelle, um, leading the Stonewall protests um, starting last summer. They've literally been protesting 53 straight weeks every Thursday at 5 p.m. in pouring rain, in heat, in uh, hailing. It's just it's kind of incredible. Um, so they're very inspiring. And she said this, it was very healing to share her story in a more intimate way, as opposed to, you know, when she leads the, the, the protests, which people say is like going to church. This was her just sitting on the stoop, having a chat with us on Instagram. So that's two examples. Do you want to, Lara, do you want to jump in with a couple more? Yeah, I'll throw in a few more. So for example, Motorman Mike, which I just love to say anyway, in the Motorman Mike, Motorman Mike. And, you know, it's always so interesting, like Mark was saying, the pairing of the visual, you know, the imagery with the words, because you look at Motorman Mike and he's this big, tough looking guy and he's also a pussycat. And then you hear his story and what he had to go through as an essential worker here in New York. And it was so representative of that community and, um, you know, just a life that a lot of us would not have heard about if he hadn't shared with us. So it was, that was a really meaningful one, I thought. Um, and also Jing Fong is, is, is a great example of Chinatown during this period of time. They were the largest dim sum palace in the city. They were closing up. Um, right on Elizabeth we, Street, I think they, they shot. <clears throat> yeah, that was. Yeah, the, I mean, they're, they're finding a new home. But we were able to go there, um, you know, on the cusp of their closing down the banquet. And, and really get some firsthand storytelling from the third generation also uh, operator of the restaurant. And um, the only other one I wanted to just touch on, which is we recently wrapped up a council, a city council series, which I thought was a really great way of literally opening the door for people to take a peek into the politics without getting overly political. It was come meet these people on the stoop as they share, you know, some highlights about their platform and also their lives. Anyone, anyone from Marty, who was running, you know, here in my district, and he's also a drag queen. So oh, Marty, Ma Marty Allen Cummings. Yeah, yeah Marty, yeah. exactly. Marty Allen Cummings. You know, you just never know. And a picture can speak volumes and it can also be very deceptive. 
because until you <laughs> click through our photos, you would not know that he was in full drag at many of his, you know, speeches. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know so we, Marty, being a longtime yeah. member of the LGBTQ community here in New York. Yes, um, happy Pride. We, ha- we have about a, a minute left. I want to ask one, one more question. Can New Yorkers add their stories to the project if they want to? Yes. So just to be clear, you can find all our stories and the full archive at Instagram. It's stoop.stories. And stoop.stories and it's also on facebook you can um dm us there but you can go to our website as well and submit your own story you can share any story you want uh and that's stoopstories.net and that's how the council people shared theirs was through um our our platform and yeah does that answer your question yes it does (laughs) well thank you Marge Kleinman and Laura Weinberg, co-creators and co-producers of Stoop Stories at the Brooklyn Children's Museum. Thanks so much for joining us today. And you can find out more about the exhibition at brooklynkids.org. And Hannah Elwell, thanks so much again for being on the show and for sticking around for uh, our second interview. Um, If you have comments or questions about the show, if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook and also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles there are Jeff Goodman NYC. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategists at Freedom Mortgage, and the law offices of Tom Siaka, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. One more thing before we sign off. I'm Jeff Goodman, a real estate agent at Brown Harris Stevens in New York City. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide the best service and expertise in your, in New York City real estate. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer this evening is the great Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Stay tuned at 8 p.m. for Coffee Talk with Kevin Barbero. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. at www.talkradio.nyc now broadcasting 24 hours a day hey everybody it's Tommy D the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc I host a program philanthropy and focus Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2 They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc do you love or are you intrigued about new york city and its neighborhoods i'm jeff goodman host of rediscovering new york weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. 
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.